I'm delighted to welcome Paul Bradford, the CEO of Southern Comms, to the Bizpedia Access Granite podcast. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. So I thought a great place to start would just be to find out a little bit about Paul and your journey to being the CEO of Southern Comms. So why don't you start us off with who is Paul Bradford, where does he come from? It's a long journey, Josh. It's a long <laughs> journey. I've been in telecoms all my life. It's funny, I left college, did, a, did an apprenticeship at... A, at um, an IBM dealer. They found really, I said, I, I kind of, I kind of was still messing around really. Um, and it was the, it was the late eighties and there was a recession hit and, um, thought I, I'm going to, I was the first in, I'm going to be, you know, last in first out. So I looked, I went at the papers for, for those uh, yet yeah, papers were advertising jobs. Jobs were advertising papers in those days. Saw an advert for a telecoms en- for a telex engineer, went for an interview and I was, it, it, do I believe in luck? I think you make your own luck in life. Sat on a sofa of a, um, of a guy who literally just, was just starting his business. He'd been a sales director. He'd taken a number of his sales staff. And, it, and I was interviewed in his lounge. He said, right, I'm going to start this business up. And you're my first engineer. And I'm like, brilliant. So I was his first engineer. And he built this business. So, and it kind of clicked. He was entrepreneurial. He was really driven. So I was like his third and fourth employee, something like that. And we went, he went from four employees to 30 employees within about six months. As the sales was growing and growing and growing, I became, I was the, I became the, I just became, I, I literally learned from this guy and I was with him. I, I, was, I said, right, is there a manual to how to install these things? No, there's not. So I wrote one. Okay. So I was in the office at eight, nine o'clock at night with him and, and him and his wife were running the business. And he said, right, we're going to go for a meal. Would you, do you want to come? And I'm like, brilliant. So I literally fed off this guy, fed off him, fed off him, fed off him. And then as we grew, it was like, well, Paul, you're going to be engineering manager. I'm like, brilliant. So uh, at 20, I was running 10 engineers. He said, right, we're going to open another office in Birmingham. Do you want to come with me? And we went to Birmingham, scouted an office and found another office. Took another 10 engineers on in Birmingham. It was a, it, what a journey. Yeah. What a journey from college, you know, effectively college dropout, really. I didn't, I didn't do anything at college. I, I went, for a, went for a period of time and didn't like it. And, and from an engineering point of view, what I would do is I'd go and support salespeople. <clears throat> so I'd go out and I'd be demonstrating these products and the salesperson, and actually it irritated me because the salespeople didn't know the product. So I'd go out and I'd demonstrate the product really, really well. And there was a sales manager that, that really was talking to me, actually now works for me, but the sales manager, he said, well, why don't you go into sales ball? I said, oh, no, sales is a bit of black art. No, I don't want to do that. Actually, I was already selling. I was, they want everybody, all the salespeople wanted me to go out, demo the product. Because you knew it so well. Because I knew it so well. And actually, again, another lesson in terms of, in terms of, know your product and I, okay I, I think sales is a complete career anybody that says sales is not a career it is you can with sales you really any type of career just make become an expert in it and there there are there's i'll tell you about the next person i went to but um sales is there's a complete structure you can learn how to sell how to do it properly it's not it's a real skill it's a proper skill yeah it's not gift of the gab um but anyway, he, he said, be a salesman. I said, I don't want to be a salesman. Uh, interestingly, I then left that business and set my own, en- my own installations business up. Did you always want to run your own business? Was that in the back of your mind? Y- yes. 
yeah. I, uh, if I knew what I knew now, I'd have done it a lot quicker. But yeah, did I want to run my own business? Yeah, I did. I went into business with my best friend, and it was a cabling business, selling subcontract cabling to all the telecoms businesses in the market. So then, engineering, engineering, I told you it's a long story. Yeah, no, that's cool. So you got from engineering, moved into sales. I'm still you've then got then gone into your business with your friend. You've left there and then gone into to work for another so telecoms company. I'm still company. engineering director now. Okay. Engineering, yeah, I was engineering technical director, I think I became. That business is starting to flourish. Telex, which is no one will have heard of, was predated fax machines. It was the way that people used to, it was the only way you could legally transfer money and say, I'm here's a contract, I'm going to write a telex, and it was, anyway, it's irrelevant, but that was dying, moved into phone systems, so selling business-to-business phone systems, became the um, a Panasonic main dealer, became one of the top 10 Panasonic main dealers, the business is flourishing. I was not a shareholder in this business, but I was a director, and the, the main owner said, right, we're going to, we really want to accelerate went to the bank and took some debt. The bank said, we've got no more financial on your board. Um, so the, the owner said, well, I'll, I'll use my accountant. My accountant, the accountant said, yeah, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll sign up. And so the accountant signed up, became a, the financial director. With utter foolishness, the owner of that business said, right, well, you can do all the accounts. You can do all the finances. We were working our backsides off. We're, we're, so I'm still engineering, but I'm still going out and supporting. Actually, by then, I was starting to sell as well because it was like, you know, we can, I'm a director of this business. So I want this to be super successful. And um, a year or two, things started, we started running out of money. Things were starting to go wrong. You know, well, and I think this... This doesn't add up. Well, this doesn't add up. Maybe the owner of the business, he's, he's he, he had a lavish lifestyle. And I think maybe he's taking money away, what's, what's, what's he doing? What's going on? It really gets bad when, you, when wages start to bounce and you know, my wages are bouncing, staff wages, so we start to lose staff. Well, this, is, this is a disaster. Um, got to the point where the, the owner's electric and gas get cut off at his house. I mean, this is, this is we're going bust. We can't work out what's going on. Um, the owner's wife used to, be, um, used to do the accounts. She said, this is bizarre, I'm going to go through the accounts. So she starts going through all the accounts and there's, you know, a £5,000 check to uh, HMRC for a inland revenue, you know, for the inland revenue or whatever. Um, phoned the bank up and said, can I just check what this £5,000 check was or where it was? Oh, it's, it's, to, uh, it's paid to, I, can't, I won't use that guy's name. It's not to HMRC, it's to this guy's, this, the accountant's name. He took £150,000 out of the business in six months. Oh, yeah. £150,000. So you, the, uh, the owner of the business, I was a director, but the owner of the business, had, 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 he, didn't, he didn't know his own... He wasn't watching his own cash flow. He wasn't watching the bank. He trusted this guy and he abused his trust. and he's, you know, he's Defrauded the company. Defrauded the company, yeah. By then it was too... I, it's I not the first it. time I've had, actually on the podcast, I had someone very similar say exactly the same thing. It happened to him. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame, but it does happen. I, I decided, I, by that point, I, I, at the point we discovered it, I'd already made the decision to leap. Okay. I was about to start a business, and a friend of a friend said, Southern Communications have been established for years. They're looking for a sales director. I went, wow. So I went and, went and met, the, met the guys, um, 
and this was in 1995. So this is my 27th year in Southern Communications. Wow, congrats. When I, thank you. When I walked in the door, there, was, there were the two guys that owned it and a part-time admin person, and I was going to be the sales director. Great title, wasn't it? Fantastic. <laughs> um, Southern, Communications, uh, Southern Communications is one of the oldest telecoms companies in the country, established in 1965. It originally started manufacturing, manufacturing dictation-based equipment. It used to plug into the old telephone systems that BT, prior to BT, it was called GPA, it used to plug into the old BT phone systems, dictate to a typist, typist type the letter and send it off to the, send it off. Um, and it was one of the largest manufacturers of dictation-based systems in the UK. Again, got caught out a bit like Nikon, if you think about Nikon with cameras and or think of you know blackberry that's yeah, another great like example nokia. whatever nokia yeah um it didn't evolve and early 80s the pc turned up and everyone said we're going to start typing our own letters um the and pretty much the the market just disappeared because who needs a dictation machine that types to typists everyone types their own letters and it just it, it fell out the two guys that owned the business bought the remnants um they were engineers and they'd maintained this, this business and they had all the maintenance. They did really well for like 10 years, but decided they were going to try and get into telecoms. They were great engineers, but not very good salespeople. So that's where I came in. They'd been looking for a sales, sales person for a long time. And they said, if you can turn the business around, um, if you can turn the business around, we'll give you a third of the business. It's great. So I was that salesperson. I, we rented a, rubbishy old cavalier that broke down every every three months um, and I went out and sold and I said to him, right we're gonna again it's fascinating they had no debt whatsoever went to the bank and said we want an overdraft and the bank said well it's gonna have to 100% guaranteed personally I'm like right so we took a £5,000 overdraft right um, never had any debt it, it, madness so we went and employed some telesales and I was a salesman I was the salesman and I sold. I went out and sold. And I knew I could sell. We went out and sold. Um, every year, we doubled in staff, doubled in turnover. Got ourselves to about 2 million turnover, which sounds really easy, but that is a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I can tell you. That and is how long did that take? Seven years. Okay. So, so how long were you, from your very first job in, in the industry as an engineer to then become, coming into Southern Comms? How long was that period? That was probably, so I probably started late 80s, sort of 80, I would say 88, something like that. Okay. And by 95, so that's about seven years. Seven, so seven years, you come into Southern Comms, you've been there for the last 27. Yeah, I joined Southern Comms, me, the two guys that owned it, the part-time admin person. First yeah. year I joined, we turned £100,000 over. Wow. Turned over 100000 making no money. Um, and I used all of the, all of my expert, all everything I'd learned from the three pillars of the people I'd met before. Yeah. The super entrepreneur, that was a bit vain, if I'm honest, the vanity yeah. messed up. The, the second guy was probably the smartest person, presentation-wise, that I've ever seen. The Panasonic main guy. Yeah. And then the sales, the, the sales company is still is very successful today. That I was that salesperson, and he taught that that company taught me sales. It taught me the structure of sales. So. I took all of that and built Southern Communications from the ground up, literally from the ground up. What a great education that was for you. It's amazing. Yeah. 
It's, it's funny it? how life works out like that, isn't it? You it gave you that to, foundation to really like yeah. take all that experience into Southern Comms. Well, I think that's the I think that's the important thing. Nothing is ever wasted. You have to, wherever you are, whatever journey you are, you're on. Nothing's ever ever wasted. Learn from it, and that's the important thing. Can you can you see those opportunities and can you learn from it? Yes, you can. If you can, then you you're you're always moving forward, aren't you? Always yeah. moving forward. How big Southern Comms now? Hundred million turnover. Um, 30 million EBITDA, um, 430 staff over eight offices. So it's gone quite well. Yeah, man, it's gone very well. <laughs> Congratulations. It's gone quite well. Yeah. yeah. It's gone quite well. So, that, yeah, there you go. And what would you say has been the, um, and within the, you know, we started off with coming into Southern Comms and it being owned by two people, you were sales director 30%, and over that 27 years, well, I know the, the management structure has changed, hasn't it? The most interesting thing was, um, they, you might have said 96, they said, will give you a third of the business. At 95, give you a third of the business if you turn it around. Turn it around, and I paid £150 for um, a third of the business. In wow. 19, £150 for a third of the business in 1996. Okay. Uh, that's, our business is worth 350 million quid today, so you, you, you can do the maths. <laughs> yeah, you not, can do the not maths. a bad return on investment, no, that's good, is it? That's, that's, I always say that to financial people, that's the best return on investment, investment. you, you Yeah, ever. so you've gone from 150 quid for 30% to now, the 30, say as a 30% shareholder, you'd be worth more like over 100, 150 Something million? Like that, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the business is yeah, worth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, you, it, gives you a, it gives you a flavor of... Yeah. Um, They're not in the business anymore, is that right? No, uh, so 2002, um, it always kind of been preordained that the, the two guys, are both quite a lot older than me. They both hit 60 in fairness. They both hit, hit health problems. Both of them wanted to exit. So I structured an, a management buyout. Um, I've always surrounded myself, again, I hear entrepreneurs that say, oh, I'd be brilliant. I've got 100% of my business. Well, well, well done. That's brilliant. Um, I've always surrounded myself with people. With re- you've got to have brilliant people around you. Um, so you read, you read um, Branson's book and he talks about a virgin type person. Actually, we've, I've kind of, I've nicked that and said, I look for a Southern comms type person. You want that driven, focused, smart, you want smart, the smartest people you'll have around you, um, you need. Um, they're always surrounded surround myself. I took people from private, from pe- people I'd met and actually I'd, I always track people. Anyway, cut long story short, we got to a point where there was four of us, turned actually five of us, and we, I led a management buyout. Probably at the time, hardest thing I've ever done because we were making not very much money. And you got to persuade, I, I think I borrowed, again, the management buyout, we needed to raise 350 grand, I think it was. Um, which in the scheme of things today, you think, well, that's not very much money. At that time, that yeah. That time was quite a lot, a lot of money. Of money yeah. um, especially if you're only making 50 grand a year, which the business was. so. We borrowed it from a bank, a confidential invoice discounter, which, I, which was, I'd never, I'd never recommend doing that, but anyway, we did. And I borrowed it from three suppliers. Because again, people can't, if you're valuable, if you're, supply, if you're valuable to your supply chain, people never think about going to suppliers to, to say, look, I need some support. And those three supplier, suppliers, we were critical to, or key to, so they let, I, I said, look, we're doing a management buyout and I'd like to borrow some money from you, please. Um, again, they always say, yeah, we're supporting you, we do it. Actually getting the money out of them is quite a different, different thing. Different story, but, yeah. But we got, did the, did the three, did the three, borrowed from three suppliers, two banks. 
and then 16th of January 2002, we did the uh, did the management buyout, which was fantastic. Except, in when it was horrific, and everyone uh, actually, I'm, I'm old enough to remember it. Some people aren't, but September 2001, a plane flew into a building in America. Um, the world, it was a, it was a, the shock waves across the world. 9/11, I'm talking about the, the shock waves across the world literally our business halved overnight because we were selling in those days we were selling lumps of tin we were selling a, a business was wanted a phone system we'd sell them a phone system for 10 grand and we'd make five gross out of it and maybe three or two or three net and you, you pay the engineers and so you're on a treadmill of, of constantly selling tin and i was due to complete the mbo in november um september to september 9-11 happened and Everyone sort of got freaked, but I knew our business had halved. I knew, I, so I had to get our MBO away. So 16th of January, we we clinked the clinked the champagne glasses, and the two guys that I just given an awful lot of money to, thanks ever so much, Paul, fantastic. And then we looked down the barrel of, oh my God, we're in a situation where half I, I've just bought a business. There's and no half. half of it's just gone. Yeah, half is valuable. Half of it's gone. Yeah. So we didn't pay ourselves properly for the first year because it's you, you just get out of it. Um, and actually, there was a fourth supplier that I hadn't gone to, luckily. Yeah. And I went to the fourth supplier and said, we're really critical to you. If you want to support us, I'm going to have to have extended credit. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll give you extended credit. It was actually NEC. NEC supported us. So NEC, we were an NEC. We were, we were one of NEC's fastest growing resellers. Okay. And NEC said, no, we'll, we'll support you. And I, to this day, I thank them for that. So, because we wouldn't be here today. Big shout out to NEC. It, that was a big shout out to NEC. Okay, so well, I, I told you about the MBO um, and the support we got from NEC, which was great. And we, we got through that year and then we really started growing. Um, probably the, the, if I knew what I knew now, God, I'd do it quicker. Recurring revenue. Our, our business today, 95% of our business is recurring revenue. So, and that's, that is unique in our market. So 95% of our, I'll repeat it, 95% of our business is recurring revenue. Back in 2002, 2003, the market was evolving and we moved into, we were able to sell cool charges. The, the whole, it was like, it changed to a wholesale market and we were able to buy wholesale and start. All those customers we'd sold telephone systems to and we were maintaining, we were now able to do cool charges, latterly line rental, and actually, that was the fastest that was probably the one of the key pivotal moments that selling a telephone system is great but but it's quite hard work and you need to it's a complete solution sale we started selling call charges and line rental to people that didn't have our telephone systems suddenly you've got five billion dollar five dollar five billion pound market that you can suddenly go at and we we put most of our investment in that route we split our sales teams we still sell solutions but we split our sales teams and it was recurring revenue recurring revenue we grew like crazy grew like crazy um got ourselves to about 10 million sounds easy as well doesn't it gone from in seven years went to 10 to to how long did that take so 2002 to about 2008 about another seven years so each, each seven years i go a bit quicker yeah so we got about 10 million um revenue and I'd always said, you know, I want to get to 10 million, I'm going to sell the business. I don't know why I said that, but I did. 
and I got the I got the guys around the table that had done the MBA with me and said, right, when I joined in 1995, we were doing a hundred thousand turnover. We're now now 10 million, so we've done a thousand times growth. Seems really really a, easy for me, easy, very simple. Let's do 10 times growth. Let's go to 100 million, but it's going to be lots of hard work and all the rest of it. And the sales director said, "Oh yeah, I want to get off." And they're like, "Oh okay, right." This is 2008, 2009, biggest recession since time began. Nobody's lending any money. What do I do? Thought about it and said, well, actually, the telecoms market, the consolidation is happening. Lots of, there was, particularly in those days, Carphone Warehouse and TalkTalk were buying, well, Carphone Warehouse became TalkTalk, were buying lots of businesses. And um, thought, do you know what? If we, so I, I approached Talk Talk and said, if we build a recurring revenue business from the ground up, would you buy it? And they said, yeah, I guess. They didn't really want to because it was just going to be a small business. So we said, right, okay, great. So literally from the ground up, we built a company called Southern Communication Networks. So we started Southern Communication Networks. Benefit of hindsight, we grew really quick. Took this business from zero to about three million turnover in about 18 months. Because you knew what we were doing. Yeah. And yeah. were you selling into, a, like, you had an we existing marketplace? Pure, you? No, this is new business, all new right, business. Okay. Purely cool charges, purely recurring. We worked out what Talk Talk would want yeah. and built a business to it. And in December 2010, we sold Southern Communication Networks to Talk Talk. Um, it, I didn't want to devalue Southern Communications because yeah. this is a separate business. So I think uh, they literally just wanted the customers. They just wanted the, the recurring revenue and profit. Sold it to them for a few million quid. Is that the first time in your career as well? You get, a, you know, you've got a couple yeah, of million yeah. quid. That's like you cash well, in. You're like, you see your bank what, account. You're like, okay. What did I, what did I use it for? I, I use it to build a house actually. Um, but Do you know what? On that story, right? That was that. What, that must have been when I met you, right? So I met this. Is, I remember. I came out of university and I thought I wanted to get, I was like, I'm going to get a job, set up a business. And my cousins were helping build a house in Chilworth in Southampton. And I was like, I'll come up. And they're like, I'll come up and see it because it was 30 minutes away from where I live. Well, actually not 30, it was about three minutes away from where I live, just down the road. And I'll come up to this house. I'm like, this is like, this place is the nuts. I was like, who, who owns this house? And they're like, it's this guy called Paul. And I was like, he's a really nice fellow. I'll introduce you to him. And then I remember being like, ringing you because I started saying I was starting get... about 10 times yeah I did I'm so like oh god <laughs> yeah I've got to answer this call <laughs> I suppose this, I better man. answer it eventually yeah no that was, I, I really appreciate it and obviously you're here today but yeah that was I remember turning up to that house and being like this is really this is really smart who's the guy and then ringing you like yeah 10 times and you did call me back you've been you've been a really good friend and a mentor to me over the years and stuff like that so I really, it, actually this is a shout out to you I really appreciate all the time and actually oh, coming down today been, I, I, I have a I love people that are successful that are driven and want to and if do you know what? I got some I got some help from a there's a one of the the best known telecoms entrepreneurs. He's probably the most successful guy that in fact he is the most successful in telecoms. Uh, in fact, I'm going to say a guy called Matt Riley, who actually was an interviewer on The Apprentice. Um, 2008, someone approached us to sell up to say we'll buy your business. You know that I'm going to sell it for 10 million. Yeah. Someone approached us and said we'll get, we'll buy your business. And I, we got wow this is this is wow. And I, and I flew up to see Matt Riley, because he, uh, he owns Daisy. I uh, flew up to Matt, see Matt Riley and Daisy and said, and said, you know, you're buying businesses, would you, this is the offer we've had. And he went, that's an amazing offer, take it, I can't get near it. 
said, but as you're up here, do you, do you, would you like to see what I've done? And he spent uh, half a day, probably a day actually, but he spent most of the day with us. And he took us around his business. And he was, his business was miles ahead of where we were. Took us around his business and showed us what he'd done. And he, gave, he imparted, this is how we've grown and this is what we've done. I'm like, wow, I learned more in that afternoon than I probably learned for the previous six months myself. And I, I, I appreciated it so much. And I always think that anybody that's growing and really entrepreneurial really wants to learn. And they, if, if someone approaches me, I, you know, I can't talk to everybody, but if someone approaches me and says, I've, I've got this, this idea, they've got to be fairly um, persistent to get hold of me. Yeah, so, I mean, it took me 10 times, 10 calls. And I, I, I always think I, I should pass that down, actually. So, so I, you know, shout out to Matt Riley, actually, because he, he, okay. he's another. I'll thank Matt Riley personally on this podcast. <laughs> you should send it to him, yeah. Thanks, Matt, for, you know, teaching yeah. that lesson. So, but you, so you took the money anyway from that, from no, that so, you built so a we, house. That yeah. was the first time you had some, like, a few quid, really, was, in your pocket. Actually, the reason we sold Southern Communication Networks was actually my business partner. So I had a smaller share in it, and the business partners, my other business partners, used the money to buy the sales director out. So they didn't actually get any real benefit. They used their money to buy the sales director out, who left. Um, I actually used mine for to say build a house, which you saw. Yeah. So talk, talk, carried on. Uh, so would you run the business for us for six months? We said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll, run, we'll, we'll run the business. Uh, if I'm really honest, I didn't really want to sell it. I didn't really want to sell a chunk of our business. Actually, if you look at our turnover, turnover, is, as we discussed earlier, is vanity and profit is sanity, as we all know. But the, the business was like something like three, six, eight, ten. And then for a year, it just stayed at ten because we... we We'd sold the business to, to, to Talk Talk. They didn't want any of the staff. We, we absorbed all the staff and our profit stayed flat for, for a year while we carried on building back up. I didn't really want to sell it. But there was no other option. That was, there was, no one was lending any money. Um, went for a, a, a celebratory dinner with a guy called David Goldie, who was the CEO of Talk Talk Business at the time. A guy called Matt Kirk, who was the M&A director of uh, Talk Talk Business. Because we'd done the deal with them over dinner, and, and David Goldie, so this is another, uh, another um, pivotal moment, David Goldie, myself and Alex Moody, Alex Moody's my, um, my business, been my business partner, he joined in 2000, and we've built the business together really. Um, he'd kind of be my, my right hand man, and, and everything I'm rubbish at, he's brilliant at, and vice versa, so well, he'd probably say he's brilliant at everything, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> you get the picture. Yeah. But, um, we, we sat around the dinner table with David Goldie and Matt Kirk, and David Goldie told me off. He said, why don't you grow a cooker? There's all these acquisitions you can make. The market's massive. Go and take the business. And we're like, no Calm one's, down. No one's lending any money. Anyway, it, it, we went away from the meeting, really thought about it, thought, do you know what? Talk Talk could bought our business as a favour. Um, they... They were too big, really, to buy a lot of the smaller businesses. A lot of the smaller businesses were being snapped up by their competition, and they were losing revenue, and they were losing the recurring revenue. I thought, you know what? I, went, I phoned up David Goldie. I, must have, I think he probably thought, oh, God, what have I done? I said, if, how about Talk Talk lend us some money, give us a facility... You're very good at this, aren't you? I like to get it out of suppliers. Have you noticed <laughs> yeah, there's I a have. theme here? That is a really good theme. I was like, that's a re- yeah, I really like that. It's the first time I've really heard someone talk about that as an as a underlying strategy that they've used. I mean, Why it's not? fantastic. And Why obviously not? it's worked super well for you. Go to your supply chain and you know, so get some I money out there. You, you're too big to buy these small resellers. We're perfect size. You lend us the money. We'll guarantee we'll keep the traffic on your network. 
It's a win-win. Yeah, I think he, I could hear him sigh down the phone. Oh God, what have I done? Anyway, it took me about a year, probably a year, 18, yeah, about a year. And eventually he said, yeah, all right, we're going to give you a two million pound facility. I'm like, wow. Um, went out and found a corporate, there's a corporate finance guy that in, remember 2008, someone said, I'll buy a business. This corporate finance guy was amazing. He managed to get in the door and come in and get sit in front of me and Alex and said, oh, someone wants to buy a business. And hence we went and saw Matt Riley, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We didn't want to sell uh, and we didn't, but I kept his card because if, if he could get in front of me, wow, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do yeah. as you discovered. Um, so we said, well, uh, so I phoned up, phoned up, the guy, I phoned up uh, John and said, look, you know, I've kept your card. Would you work for us? So we engaged him and he started looking at the market. And we found, he found us a target. And in July 2012, we made our first acquisition using TalkTalk's Talk money, uh, made our first acquisition. We, we built our business from the ground up and our, we've done it in a treat people how you want to be treated yourself. So our staff, we, go, we really try very, very hard to treat our staff the very best we possibly can. My view is if you treat your staff well, you, your staff will treat your customers well. Can I just share a story with you on that? Sure. I don't know if I've ever told you this, um, but it really resonates with me on what you've just said from a culture perspective. So I remember in the same week, um, I went into a telecoms company that I knew in Southampton, and for context, he was probably doing about five million in revenue. Yeah. And probably about 30 staff. I think at the time, you must have been about five times bigger, say, as in, just as round numbers. Yeah, yeah. And I went into both of your companies at the same week, and I walked into the first one, and no one was on reception. And I walk in the door, and pe you know, 20 people can see me, and no one says anything for a good, like, 15, 20 minutes. And I'm, like, kind of just waiting there, and I'm, like, waiting for, for someone to come and say And then they, eventually they do. And they're like, oh, I'm here to see X, and, you know, he'll be with you shortly. And then a couple of days later, I walk into your office to see you, no one was actually on reception, but seven people walked past me and every single one of them said, like, how can I help? What's going on? And I remember thinking to myself at the time, um, knowing you as an individual and knowing the other guy as an individual, very different as people. Um, and I know that that culture comes from the top. Um, and it wasn't a surprise to me that your business is bigger, but also that every single person said to me, are you OK? Can I help? And it was... Um, it was always a lesson that really resonated with me early on, that leadership, you know, really do set the tone for culture. And, um, yeah, you know, just from my own limited experience, I think you've done a fantastic job with that. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I, I, and I truly believe that as well. You treat people how you want to be treated yourself. I mean, it, it goes down to a phone call when you're picking up to a customer, right? And that matters. It really does matter. It's not all sales and, and maths, is it? It's the art of looking after well, people and getting the best out of people. In terms of staff, I'm, I, my... It never ceases to amaze me how badly people treat staff. Um, everybody, and I also think everybody has a, a moment in time when they have a, I don't know, a, a, a crisis in their life, a, a death or a illness or a, or, or a happy, happy event where they, they, they need time for marriage or for whatever, whatever it is. Everybody has that. For a company... I can't understand, we, we go out of our ends, you know, the, if someone's ever got any personal crisis, whatever it is, our opening statement is, don't worry about work, you sort yourself out, we're here, just don't worry about it. And, if, and anything we can do to help, you ask us and we'll do it. 
So you get paid back in spades. You get paid the loyalty that you get. You get paid back in spades. Why don't you do it? Yeah. And then the other thing I see is really good people. I talked about virgin people and southern comms people and all the rest of it. They flourish in a particular role and they hit the ceiling. Allow them to move. Allow, allow them to evolve. Some of our, our best people have been with me 20 years. But one particular guy, he's had five different roles. Five different roles, and he's flourished in each role. He's hit the scene, and I'm like, okay, you know, he was a senior engineer and, and then had a family. He said, I can't be working the hours and being away. So he created a role in the office. He came in the office. I've always thought he was a great salesman because he started off as a trainer. Really, uh, uh, And we said, well, actually, I think you should be a salesman. And, and eventually, we said, well, you need this as we're growing, we need a national, first national accounts manager. I think you could be that person. Wow, that's amazing opportunity because his family's grown up a bit now he can do a bit more of the journey a bit more hours get the picture yeah you look after people they'll be with you for they'll be with you forever treat them how you want to be treated yourself allow them to flourish in your business i see other businesses that i just i just don't get it don't get it but you, you, you and that culture flows through to our customers we, we go to the ends of the earth for our customers we really customers are the center of our units actually our our number one, our, you know, our vision and our mission statement, and our number one is staff, actually. You look after your staff, and then next one is customers, because it's staff is, is, and we didn't, ironically, we didn't come to that. I didn't make that up. We had a quarterly, um, we used to have pre-pandemic, we will go back to it, get the sort of 60 of our top staff, all, all our senior managers and, and senior staff together, and we workshop, said, right, what's our mission statement? What's our, what are our values? And we came up with it together. And we, and we value it and so staff number one so anyway that's fantastic and actually why did we look at acquisitions because we felt that people were acquiring businesses in a in a in not a brilliant way they weren't nef- you know going almost going out of the way not to pay earnouts and stuff like that so july 2012 made our first acquisition did it in a completely different way completely different to the rest of our market um and it it, it, it it worked really well. It worked really, really well. Um, do you remember uh, I said we'd sold Southern Communication Networks and everybody wanted to sell it? I got really quite close to, actually I, I'm, I'm sort of under, undervaluing what TalkTalk Talk did. They, TalkTalk Talk also said, not only will you, um, we'll lend you the money, but we'll also lend you, uh, give Matt Kirk, who is the M&A director, who's an expert in this, We'll lend you him, and he, he supported us in our acquisition, which is brilliant. Anyway, in 2013, I phoned up Matt and said, "Look, can we have a, a meeting?" I said, "I didn't really want to sell Southern Communication Networks." We talk talk said, "Could we run it for them for six months?" And 18 months later, we're still running it. Quite like to buy it back, uh, and I'd like to buy it back for the price we paid for it, if that's all right. Which is, again, cheeky, slightly ballsy, cheeky, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But actually, uh, and interestingly, David Goldie, who was the C- had, had just left, and I met a new guy called Charles Bly, who was the new MD. He was he was brilliant. Char- and I, um, loads of time and respect for Charles Bly. Um, and Charles actually was he he was looking at the strategy. It played in beautifully, looking at strategy of how they were going to grow Talk Talk, and part of it was to support their their partners. And I said to them, look, if you that customer base. If we, if we own it, we'll grow it on your network. 
if you own it, you're not going to do a bad job, but it won't grow the same pace. And actually, if you do the maths, in, in five years' time, it's the same, same place. Why don't you sell it back to us? It took me 12 months to convince them. I think at some point, Talk Talk genuinely thought I was going to see if I could borrow the money from them to buy our own business pack, <laughs> which would have been really cheeky. Yeah. And a big flat answer would have been no. So we had to go out and get some debt. So we went out and did a beauty contest with some banks. Came up with Santander and Santander, who were, and they're still with us today. They're fantastic. Um, I think the fact that, that we were buying a business back from Talk Talk was, was helpful and that Talk Talk were prepared to sell it to us and we, it, anyway. Um, so we bought, we bought Southern Communication Networks back, raised the debt, bought Southern Communication Networks back. Talk Talk said, uh, I'm sorry, Santander said, we've just launched this growth fund. Would you like some growth money? Well, we're not really. Well, why don't you have some? Because we lent you the money to buy the business back. I said, oh, okay. So we, we, we took, we took a, a small amount of debt. Um, and we actually, I always say those years from 13 to 14, we went from regional to national. So we, we added 50 people in a year organically, which was really hard work. Organic growth, you, do it ten, you tend to do it in my books. You tend to do it slowly and steadily. Doing it fast was, it was, but we did it. And it, Santander were amazed because Actually, we we bought Southern Communication Networks back, and we'd grown organically, and our EBITDA just kept st stepping up. And they were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" So, 2014, I went back to them and said, "Right, we've now proven organic growth. We've got proven organic growth. We've done that for years anyway. We've proven we've made now two acquisitions, and we now know what we're doing, and we can prove it." Um, I think we bought a little art uh, as a cabling business. We bought along the way, but anyway, we, we've got a proven acquisition. I'd like a war chest, please. Can I have a war chest to go and d do more of it? Yeah. At the same time, um, again, back to fantastic people. And I've already talked about Alex, who's, who's my Ryan man, who built the business with me. You know, the standing joke is that I'll, I'll come up, and it's true, I'm, I'm that entrepreneurial, I'll come up with this idea and I'll drive it. And the, the standing joke is that I will... You know, I'll, I'll start it and then Alex will sweep up and, and actually make it work behind the scenes. So that's the, you know, you get the picture. Great duo, yeah. Yeah. Um, but from an acquisition point of view, I, I could do it, but I had all that support from Matt Kirk. And I sensed Matt, Talk Talk had changed quite a bit and Talk Talk, Dido Harding was there, was running Talk Talk. So I sensed that Matt was getting bored. So I, again, I said, can we have a meeting? And I said, why didn't you come and work with us? Which was quite a, quite a challenge for Matt. Um, but I think it was probably great timings. And in April 2014, I persuaded Matt Kirk to come and join us, which was a, which was a real coup. Real coup, yeah. A real coup. Um, he came and joined us. Not only did he come and join us, he took a, as he'll tell you, he took a 60 or 70% pay cut and invested some money, his own money in buying some shares. So it was a really, from his point of view, quite ballsy. Yeah. Although he says it's one of the best things he's ever done. But he clearly, obviously, I'm sure he really believed in you at that period of time and um, you, I know knowing you as well you really sold on the dream as well so that, that's another theme actually which I didn't cover I, I always like Alex joined me in 2000 and Alex was a really successful uh, he was a general manager for a for a different industry in a different industry and at the time we couldn't really afford him and he took a 30% K pay cut to come and join us um, David Phillips who's our chief customer officer today he's the operations director for years so when he joined me in 2002 he halved his salary to come and work for us. I, it's commitment. 
Matt Kirk said, I'm going to take a 60% pay cut because I believe in what, where we're going to go because I know I'm going to get paid back in spades. It's commitment. Someone who turns up and says, well, I'm in a really great place and I want a bigger salary and I want, and I want, no, I want people, you need people in the trenches next to you. If you're growing a business, you need people in the trenches that are going to get, that, that when you go over the wall, you go over the wall together. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, I really do, Paul. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It's massively important. And I, and I don't own 100% of the business. I don't, and I'm right, really glad I don't. I'm glad I own it with the other five of us. You know, actually, there's another story there, but they're, they're, for years, we had, the five of us owned it. And I'm really glad we did. Um, so to that, April 2014, Matt joined. We'd managed to get a nice war chest from Santander. And I think the first thing we did, we, we diversified our product portfolio. We were just a reseller in those days. In June 14, we bought um, a company called EFAR, which is a tier two ISP. So it's, we, we now own our, we're a tier two ISP. We don't own cabling the ground, but we interconnect to every major carrier. Did it for price, really, if I'm honest at the time, because from a wholesale point of view, it was, you just made a hell of a lot more money if you owned your own network and interconnected. Um, and also capability. So being able to go to a customer and saying, we, we connect to every carrier and actually, I don't know, Talk Talk or Virgin or BT or whatever is the closest. We, we, can, we can put a BT circuit there and a Talk Talk circuit there and a, you get the picture. Yeah. Um, and then we went on our acquisition spree. We used the money from, from Santander and we, we bought, bought half of the, but probably bought three or four more, more businesses. Um, we wanted a business in London. We bought a business called Switch in London in 2015 because um, we want to scale in London and actually what uh, and again this started formulating the strategy we had our we had our basic tech office our London office and actually what we did was we folded in those days we either folded if we bought a scale business customer base brought them into Basingstoke yeah. or into London so we've now got two hubs so we've now really have proven organic we really proven acquisition and actually part of the idea of Matt joining was always to do what I'm about to talk about now, which was let's go to private equity, let's, let's turbocharge ourselves. We did a process and 16th of May, sorry, 12th of May 2016, we sold 32.5% of the business to a private equity company called Living Bridge. At those days we were, six, when we went into the relationship with Living Bridge, we were a 6.9 million EBITDA business. I, I very rarely talk about turnover, actually. It's, it's, I only focus on profit. So 6.9 million EBITDA. And we said to them, through organic and acquisition, we'll, do, we'll get to 15 million EBITDA in the next five years. Other mantra, if I, other big mantra that we, that we pride ourselves on is we um, under-promise and over-deliver. Massively important. So we said we'll get the 15 million in five years and did it in two um, through acquisitions. So we went from, I mean, they were quite pleased, obviously. Yeah, of course. Cool. <laughs> and then we went back to them and said, right, let's kind of go again. So we, we refinanced and actually we introduced uh, a company called Aries. But by that, by that point, we had a bank club of three, which is fine. You can add a bank club of four and five, but it starts to get a bit tedious because you, you've got, lots of people to, to communicate with. So in 2018, we kept Santander as the sort of, as our, as a primary bank, but we then introduced a company called Aries. So Aries is the largest European debt fund. 
and they became our, pri our, our main scale lender with Santander being our, you know, do all of the transactions and, but also lending as well. So, and we did that in conjunction with Living Bridge. And we said, right, where are we gonna go? We're gonna go to sort of 20 million. Um, and we got to 25, 26. So we were every, you know, uh, under promise, over deliver. Uh, and actually we probably have, what we've done, what we've now done, uh, we've made 27 acquisitions in total so far. Um, again, that's a lot, isn't it? Treat people how you want to be treated yourself. Every one of those 27 acquisitions is a reference. And there is nobody else in our industry that can say that I can phone every single one of them up. They'll be happy to talk to me and I'll be happy to give a reference. Because we, you've got to, you, you've got, if you're going to do something, you, reputation is critical. If you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. Don't, you know, our, and our industry is littered, lots, lots of industries in Ferris are littered with people that say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy your business, I'm going to give you an earn out, and then they don't pay the earn out or whatever. Just, just be straightforward. Yeah. I mean, we're utterly focused on the right business to buy. You know, the business that we probably look at 100 businesses a year and probably buy five or six, you know? So we're, we're and I always say, we'll only ever buy businesses at the top of their game. We've never bought Falling Knife. That's just not our, our game. So we're, and we're, we're utterly disciplined in what we buy as well. That's the other thing I'd say is in, when we have walked away from if, We've got this rationale that if there's the five of us aren't happy with that, one of them, one of us can't get over the line that we're 100% happy because we're all in it together. We're all in those trenches together. So if we make an acquisition and it, and it doesn't quite work, all of us are going to have to sort it out. Yeah. yeah. Not just one of us, all of us. So if one of us is not happy to go over the, over the wall, we don't. How often <laughs> do you disagree? We don't disagree. We're just really focused and value each other's opinions. Equally, you know, no one erected a no one erected a um, statue to a committee, did they? No one's no. ever done that. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was the same. It's like yeah, um, yeah, that one and you know, a horse is a camel by committee, and you know, yeah, those the, sorts the, of things. The, the, the horse that was designed by committee turned into a camel. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's an Alan Sugar one, isn't it? That's yeah. great. Um, just to complete the picture, remember I talked about David Goldie, who was the CEO of Talk Talk Business. Uh, in a, uh, Oakley said to us. Who's your list of, of chairmen? And I said, I've got a list of one, it's David Goldie. And luckily he was available and luckily happy to do it. And that's a bit of a bit of a... You've a, done great, haven't you, over your career, bringing the right people into yeah, the right so positions. David Goldie in 2016 became our chairman mm. and did a fantastic job. I remember me and you spoke once about Jim Collins in the book, Good to Great. When he, and I think the second chapter is very much around get the right people on the bus and get them in the right positions. Correct. And you've done extremely well at doing that. Yeah, yeah. Pe people are critical. You've got to have the right people, smart people, but you, but be in the trenches, people that are in the trenches. So don't, you know, there's an entrepreneur that I know really quite well. Um, really nice guy. He's a friend that I've known 30 years and he's, he said to me, oh, I've just bought, managed to buy out my sales director and I've managed to, and I've, I've, he said, bet you wish you had 100% of your business, don't you? And I'm like, I think he's still two million pound EBITDA a day, 10 years later. No, I don't actually, thanks very much. Yeah. I'd rather have our 30 million EBITDA, you know? It's, yeah, agreed. So it's, it, it's been... A smaller percentage of something bigger, you know, 100% of 2 million or, you know, 10% of 500 million. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. So, so what's, the big, what's the big vision for the business going forward? Um, 
Well, I'll tell you what we've done today. Yeah. This is an exclusive. Uh, ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit of an exclusive, I suppose. The we um, we made some significant acquisitions during our journey. Two of the. I said we were talking about capability. So we bought in April 18, we bought a company called MyPhones, which is a hosted telephony platform. So remember we own our own network. We now own our own hosted telephony. The hosted telephony, cloud telephony, whatever you want to call it, is where the market is going. So to own our own hosted telephony is amazing. 45,000 licenses when we bought it, it's nudging 100,000 today. So we've grown it, we've invested in it. Fascinating, built by entrepreneurs. I mean, we've invested massively in it, and it's it's one of the best hosted telephony products on the market. In fact, in the market, we are the only company. There's nobody else that owns their own IP in the same way as we do in our market. Nobody else. Gamma are, are a Gamma are a massive player. They're a really successful company. Huge huge respect to Gamma. They don't own their own IP. Yeah. They all most of their growth has been built on buying licenses from Broadsoft, which is now owned by Cisco. In, in, actually, they've now bought someone and they, they do own their IP, but not in the same way as we did. So so we stand on our own in that respect. So we now, all, as opposed to, historically, you've been much more of a seller, right? And like a distributor. A reseller. Yeah, as a reseller. Now you're also getting involved in the manufacturing. You know, you're well, really, you're kind of that whole supply, you know, honest, that whole supply the chain. To the, to the, to the, to the beginning of the of the company's journey remember yeah. it used to be a manufacturer mm -hmm. we're now a manufacturer we and actually we're, we're either manufacturer or we we always say we get as close to the factory gates as we possibly can mm -hmm. so buying tier two isp you interconnect your carrier so you can control the quality for the service for the customer it's all about giving the customer the right service and uh, etc but actually we smashed them open and we now own, own our own hosted telephony as well so that's critical and that's that's game changer we also bought a company called Two Circles, and Two Circles are one of only 10 OT service providers in the UK. More importantly, or as importantly, they, they, their route to market is via dealers. So, indirect. Yeah, we've always built a big direct business, so they're indirect. We also bought a company called NSN, who also are indirect, but via IT. So, we've now got 300 partners across the UK selling indirectly. We still own the customer. We, we still build the customer. And my phones have wholesale, so we've now got direct, indirect, and wholesale. What we and those founders of those businesses, Two Circles and NSN, are, are fantastic entrepreneurs. Remember, I said about great people, bright people. So we want their, they, we bought the business, it's been a great journey for them. Um, I would say we've, we're a bit corny, we found the flames of entrepreneurialism in our business. You, you can be an entrepreneur still if you come and join us. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, we're probably, it's put us back by a year probably. Um, but we went out to the market. Uh, private equity work in five year cycles as well in reality. In, in fairness, Living Bridge would have stayed as long as, they, as long as we let them or, or wanted, you know, not let them, would have stayed for a lot longer because obviously we're, we're so fast growing. But we went out to the, we, we've done a second process, went out to the market and, um, had some really good offers actually. We're to some sort of. We had half a dozen private equity offers. We had a couple of trade offers, which was quite interesting, unexpected but interesting. Um, and we looked at the op options. Said, do you know what? 
we're, we've got so much fire in our, billet, in our belly. We're 100 million pound revenue, we're 30 million EBITDA, we can double at least, I mean, that's easy, we can treble it probably. I mean, I want to get to 100 million EBITDA is where I want to go. If you want my statement of where we're going to go okay. in the next three to five years. So 100 million EBITDA, that gets you to what sort of valuation, do you think? I need to get to about 75 to 80 million EBITDA to be a billion pound unicorn business. So that's where I want to get to. You're going to be a unicorn? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good man. Absolutely. That's awesome. But, um, but you also need the people What sort of time you. frame? Next three to five years. Okay. And then you out? Oh, I doubt it. I swear, I mean, my wife thinks I'll never retire. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's too much fun. But um, what we did, we did it. So we went to Aries and said, look, Aries, we've got utter faith in our business. Would you support us in buying Living Bridge out? And, and they did, which was great. So we, we did a, effectively did a management buyout. So we now own 100% of the business again. Part of the reason for doing it was that we wanted to bring four of the guys that, that were founders of NSN and Two Circles want to stay and we want them to stay and they've joined the, joined the board. David Goldie stayed. So there's now, it's now um, gone from five of us to 10 of us. And we, but you know, we're a hundred million pound business and I feel like that's just the starting point. You know, I feel like we've got this, we happen to have a hundred million pound business. We happen to have a 30 million EBITDA. Now the opportunities to really grow. So I'm, you know, I feel as more, I feel as excited as I did five years ago when we did the Living Bridge. Yeah. Uh, opportunities are massive, but on all fronts, organically and through acquisition. So yeah, we'll double, if not treble. Uh, you know, I, under promise, over deliver. I can get, I can get us to fifty or sixty. We uh, not me. That's not me. Yeah, we the team, the great team that you've built over the years, in the last twenty-seven years, you've been tracking the talent, you've been bringing yeah. them in. Yeah. You know, also they've taken big pay cuts at the time, and also, and some of them had to invest in the business just Correct. to get in the door. Correct. Um, you know, and but you're it, at. It's you paid know, in spades for them. You're at about three hundred million now, and to get to a, you know, and going for that unicorn status, and there's not many, you know, you know, entrepreneurs in the UK that have got to that level. You're in a very small group of people. So that's where we're going. Yeah, no, that's where we're going. That's I look forward. To, I look forward to what. I think mean, it's all of it. It's a testament to you, having known you for what eight years now. I think it is. Um, as an individual, I know you work super hard. I know you're super motivated. You're also a great guy, and I think that really shows Thank in. I, I think that really shows in the culture and the story that I was trying to share earlier around. The fact that when I walked into your office, everyone was so accommodating. And actually, after you did that, you took me to the to the staff room and made me a coffee and stuff. And it's you know you've got a great you know you've obviously got a fantastic business there. A question I've re- I've got for you is what motivates Paul Bradford? Is it money? Is it the game of business? Um, I, I, what motivates me? What, God, that's a really good question, actually. What gets me out of bed in the morning? I, it, it, yeah, it's business. I love business. I love, I love building stuff. I love building a. I, do you know what? The, the the best fun you can have as an entrepreneur is when you're built. When you're when there's half a dozen of you and you and you're building that business and you're and, and it's you know it's who dares wins and all that. You know it's that, that's brilliant fun. But it's the chase actually. The chase is what you know. What can I? What can we really do? How big can we really get? It, it, if you, if you, I'm an avid reader, but you, you read, I read the, um, the Phil Knight book of uh, oh, Knight. Shoe Dog, Shoe Dog, yeah, yeah. And I, I read, I just, I, I, I get, I'm sad. I go on holiday and I read business books, but anyway, that's, I love it too. Like I actually got it for Christmas, Shoe Dog. I'm ready. Have you read it? No, but I've heard oh, it's amazing. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna spoil it then. No, no, um, go on, crack on. But the, the last, he, he, it's brilliant book. Really, it's actually not, it's not. I wouldn't say it's particularly an. It's, it's a story. It's an autobiography. 
and he's really true. I wouldn't say he gives you lots of business advice, it's, but it's, it's really interesting. And he, he, he stood on the balcony the day before he floats and he says, tomorrow I'm going to be worth X billion pounds. He said, oh, I'm a bit gutted because the journey's finished. The journey's the fun bit. Yeah, it really is, the right? The journey's the fun bit. And I, that's why I'm still on the journey. Yeah. I don't want to finish the journey because it's just brilliant fun. And it's brilliant fun because you can, you can I, I love, what really excites me, I love seeing people develop. I love seeing people flourish. I love developing and evolving people. It's the, it's, it's the whole mix. It's the whole mix. If you get it right, which nobody gets it right all the time, you get it right, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So how big can we make this? How, how successful? How much wealth can we create? For, not just for me or, or, our, or, or the 10 of us, how much can we create for the, for the, for the, for the people that work in the business? You know, I've got 430 families that rely on our business for their, for their income. And that, that, that makes me really proud, actually. That makes me really proud. Paul, obviously, super appreciate your time. And thanks for sharing all those stories and, oh, your, wor- and your words of wisdom. I've got hundreds of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, you know, the whole like supply chain, going to your supply chain for cash, I found that super interesting. Um, you know, there's looking after your staff, um, you know, surrounding yourself with the right types of people and the team that you've built over the years. Um, what would Paul Bradford, whether it's one of those or something different, what would Paul Bradford's number one piece of advice be for aspiring entrepreneurs and business owners? Understand, keep control of your, well, everyone says keep control of your costs, but for ev- every day for probably 10 years, I, every single time I drove to the office, I phoned the bank and knew what, what, how much money was in the bank. Just, I, it amazes me when entrepreneurs don't take control of their own finance. You're not a fine. I'm not. A, I'm not a financial director. I'm not a financial person. I, I, but I made it my business to understand, very simply, how much money's coming in, what we owe, how much we have got in the bank. Dead simple. If you know that, and most entrepreneurs, you'll find instinctively they run via. In the early days, you'll run by a cash flow. Understand your cash flow. Understand your your and keep control of your costs. Just do it yourself. Remember that 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 guy that defrauded the business I was I was in. That was one of my major lessons. I I learned, I understood, I made it my business to know. So just keep control. Just know where you're at. Just know where you're at. Don't, be on top of the numbers. Be on top of your numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the and and it. It's no just you know. At the end of the day, be driven, focused. It's not going to it. You don't get anywhere without incredibly hard work and you'll probably have to work twice as hard as you think you're going to and it will take you twice as long. Everybody says, in five years I'm going to do this. It, it, it's ten. Assume it's going to be ten. Don't think it's going to be five. Well, you can dream it's going to be five. It'll be ten. Yeah, it, but... So I've given you two then, right? Okay, okay, so your two best pieces of pieces of advice are... Keep an eye on the numbers. Number two, it's going to take twice as long and, you know, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And it'll be twice as hard. And twice as but hard. But persistence, focus, if you want it, you can get it. Nothing's impossible, is it? That's okay. my view. My view on life is nothing is impossible. If you want it badly enough, you can go and do it. There you go. Perfect. Um, so final question to you, Mr. Bradford. I like ending the podcast with this question. So it's a, final, it's a dinner party. You get three guests, dead or alive. Obviously, and yourself will be in attendance. So who, um, who's at the Paul Bradford dinner party? See, I've got a mix of people. 
uh, there's a mix of people and I'm not sure they'd all get on. Um, I, I would be fascinated to sit down with Winston, Winston Churchill and listen to Winston Churchill. If, you, if you've ever listened to, if you've read up and you've listened to what he did, he's not just this, this guy that took us through the war. He's one of the most intelligent, clever people I think ever lived. So I would love to, I'd love to sit down with him. I'd clearly like to have some time with, um, with Branson because I think he's fascinating. He's actually quite a sh shy chap when you, when you, if you've ever seen him interviewed, he, he, but to actually properly unpick him would be really interesting. Um, I've, I've got a personal um, sporting person that I think I've got high and higher. I'd like to see meet David Beckham, so I'd love to have David Beckham. Again, I'm not sure how we got on with Winston Churchill, but <laughs> yeah. I'd love to sit down with David Beckham. I probably wouldn't mind spending some time with Alan Sugar as well. Cause I think okay. he's, he, 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 I, so you got for four there. So we've got four and, and you. Oh, was it four? Yeah, that no, so right. you've got three and you, but that's fine. You, three can, be, and you can be greedy, that's oh, fine. Oh, that's fine. No, so we've got, we got go, Winston go Churchill. Winston Churchill, I'd go David Beckham, and I'd go um, Branson. Branson, okay, I think cool. that's my three. Nice one. So it's a bit of a mix. It'd be an interesting mix. It, it would be a great mix. But it's actually, I think you'll find that the story will all be the same from everybody. And I kind of know the story, but it's nice. I love hearing stories. I love hearing success stories. Keep that they all will have the the drive to get where they want to go. They've got the vision to go there, and they'll nothing will stop them getting where they want to go. Whether that's Beckham, whether that's Branson, etc. So I think it's that's my view anyway. Nice so. one. Paul, I just want to say again, thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this today. Um, all the best with your journey to becoming um, a unicorn. And um, My yeah, look, partners are going to kill me. <laughs> 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 I look forward to following the journey. Yeah, Thanks thank again. Thank you very much. Cheers, Paul. Cheers.